0: Welcome to the Youthscape podcast, the podcast for Christians who work with young people.
1: You are listening to the Youthscape podcast with me, Martin Saunders, and my friend and long-term collaborator, Mrs. Rachel Gardner. Rachel.
0: Yes, what?
1: The other day, this is, we've seen a lot of each other this week. Gosh, we yeah, have. The other day, it. you invited me to come up to Blackburn yeah. and meet your team. And we did a couple of events up there, which was lovely uh, for youth leaders. And I'd never been in my life to Blackpool.
0: I was shocked. In fact, I had the audacity of, of inviting you to the north. Yeah, you did. Which I think is always the I've been to the north saying. of England before quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. But people I've never. Like, ah, it's not the north.
1: No, but I've never mm-hmm. been to Blackpool.
0: I know. I was actually quite shocked. Yeah. I feel that anybody worth their salt has at some point made a pilgrimage to Blackpool. It's one of those places that most people go at some point. So how come you haven't? I don't
1: know. But there's some interesting things about Blackpool there are. that I noted. Uh, there's a wedding chapel on the beach. <laughs> That's lovely, isn't it? There is where you can run away. It's sort of it's sort of Britain's equivalent of Vegas, isn't it? You can elope. To Blackpool. I,
0: mean, I think Blackpool is Britain's answer yeah. to Vegas, isn't it? Yeah. It's seven. It was a very sunny day, so I felt yes. she showed herself in the most beautiful light.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was lovely.
0: And, of the um, well.
1: and, uh, mm. and also, yes. they have some interesting things in the in the tourist shops on the seafront. Yes. I just want to describe yeah. that. I don't know if you can do that so tastefully.
0: I, <laughs> I had to warn you, because I uh, we had a team-building exercise in Blackpool where we you download this kind of app and it takes you to different places, like a geo thingy, and you have to kind of, you get there and suddenly a, a challenge crops up So I took my lovely, young, fresh, beautiful youth ministry people there, and and you, 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 in Blackpool, don't assume that just because you walk into a place that looks like it's incredibly child tourist friendly, mm. that it won't also try to sell you some fairly hardcore kind of stuff that you would use between consenting adults <laughs> only in Blackpool. They are alongside each other. And so we're sending yeah. our team into all these shops to buy things. And they're having to literally like make sure they their hands don't brush against yeah. the wrong thing as they try and get a stick of rock. So, <laughs> So I felt I had to give Martin like the safety talk. You did. As we entered Blackpool, um, which I think you appreciated quite a lot, didn't you? Yes. He? Yeah. Was, I do love Blackpool. It's a great place.
1: It was, um, it was something else.
0: Everything is there. And like um, we were saying, I, I can't work out if, if Blackpool is li- is an example of liberation mm. or just actually when sex becomes just completely non-sexy and it's just mm. perfunctional. And it, it's a strange place for me. And I think, yeah. obviously, I work with church leaders in Blackpool who see the most depressing and the most kind of, you know, the, the, the real poverty and the, and the you know, what happens in communities when everyone just comes there to get what they want and then goes. And what's left behind are, you know, forgotten community groups. But as a, as a kind of a, a vibe, Blackpool is fascinating. And I think it was a sunny day and you enjoyed it. Can't
1: believe you just said vibe. <laughs> so, um, so then the other thing that yeah. was interesting about uh, Blackpool is the generosity that I experienced. So, you took me for lunch, which in itself was generous, and you took me to a fish and chip shop. Now, I did. Uh, delicious. First of all, can you remember what it was called? I don't give him a free plug. Oh, it's right in the centre
0: of Blackpool. The opposite one in St John's Church. The
1: one in Blackpool. Yes. And uh, and so we went and had fish and chips. And if you order like in my fish and chip shop. At my local fish and chip shop if you order like a, a you have to order a large cod because otherwise you basically get like a tadpole in batter okay <laughs> so um so you know you order a large cod so up here we ordered a large cod yeah and they just give you two massive pieces of fish
0: yeah, cause it's large. that's what it is what large so
1: if you give you if you give you small just get one massive piece of fish large is t- i could not i'd like to say i couldn't eat it but
0: did, I didn't did. We? We, yeah, we ate everything, and yeah. the prices—the prices are good up here as well. So you're right, uh, not yes. the tourist
1: board. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> well,
0: that was—it was, it was very generous. That was good. It we met was very some lovely generous. people, didn't it was we? Great.
1: Yeah. So we had a lovely time, and um, and and then got to see some of the stuff that you're doing at Salute Backbone, which honestly looks really exciting and amazing. And you probably don't actually talk about it. Half as much as you think you do, oh. um, so I think it's an amazing project. And you've got so your mo- just tell us a little bit about the building project and the stuff that's actually going on up there because it's really exciting. Oh, it's
0: really exciting. So we're on a, a housing estate which is thirteenth out of thirty-three thousand wards across England. So it's a, in the lowest thirteenth, and um, but it's one of those incredible places where life is just lived out in the open on the estate. And and the blessing is that we are planting into a Church of England church building that is right there in the heart of it but because of COVID and lockdown the price of everything's gone up through the ceiling so we've had a year of just bit by bit raising the funds for this church project so we are literally watching the bricks go onto this building at the same time as watching god do amazing things in rebuilding relationships on the estate so it does feel like a lovely metaphor for what god's doing and we've got an amazing team some who are from blackburn originally Quite a number who've come from other places with a real heart to see um, church rebuilt on this particular estate. So we're loving it. It is
1: amazing. <gasps> great fun. So, uh, we're a brilliant guest today. Um, one of our own, we might say, yes, so and uh, and it's great to have her in the studio with us. So, um, we're going to talk to Jenny Flanagan, who is the co-lead of our Illumina project, which we've been running for many years. We've talked about it on the podcast before. And uh, and it's a fantastic uh, mental health support project that happens entirely online. Um, and so this is what happened when we met, Jenny. Can I just say, Rachel, Rachel and I are having to share a microphone for this interview, so anything could happen, but I think there's a good chance we might headbutt each other. <laughs> Jenny, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thanks
2: very much. Thanks for having me.
1: It's so good to have you here. Um, you um, have worked for YouthScape for a while now. Yeah. Uh, and you run a project or co lead a project called Illumina, which is one of the most amazing things that we're involved in, but actually one of the most amazing things in youth ministry, right?
2: Oh, wow. Yeah, Thanks. no,
1: I'm saying that. So, can you just explain a little bit about what Illumina is? Um, And because I don't want to interrupt you, can you just give us a couple of stories of kind of how that's impacting young people's lives?
2: Yeah, sure. So Illumina has been running about 10 years, but I've been running it for three years. And it's basically an online free support program for 14 to 19 year olds struggling with self-harm and trying to move towards recovery. Because self-harm is such a difficult thing to talk about and so hard to talk about face-to-face that often young people are very isolated, very secretive, really struggling alone. And almost the first step that they feel able to take um, if they're wanting to reach out for help and wanting to change things is in the online space where they can be relatively invisible and relatively anonymous. So... We run these groups. Young people can sign up without an adult having to approve it, without a parent even knowing. Um, and when then when they sign up, we get them. We get to know them a little bit, and then we get them into groups. And we basically run these groups for seven weeks at a time and it kind of works as psychoeducation so what we're doing is trying to empower them with understanding to make sense of their harming why am i harming where is this coming from what's it doing for me um how do i make sense of my emotions what other ways might there be to cope what else might i need what else might help me and we do that in the context of a small group although the young people themselves aren't on camera so they can't see or hear each other they just write in the chat box but they can see and hear us the two leaders and um it's really extraordinary what can happen in that space. You know, when I started it, I'm a psychotherapist. When I started it, I thought, what can I do when I can't see a young person? I can't see their body language. I can't hear their tone of voice. But it's, you know, and they could be sitting on Snapchat the whole time and I wouldn't know. But it genuinely has been really extraordinary to see what is possible in terms of connection, uh, both kind of between us and them, but also between them, each other, you know, them feeling less alone, part of a group and. Um, And then, you know, over the course of that, those seven weeks, they uh, have, uh, I guess, an opportunity to try out loads of new behaviours and have some support. And then afterwards, we also run ongoingly a drop-in space for anyone who's been through Illumina who just wants a little bit of extra support. So we have about a thousand young people sign up each year, which is huge. About half of them lose their nerve before they, you know, get to a group, which is... um, you know just a part and parcel of working with such a vulnerable group of young people but yeah it's amazing we're working with young people all over the country we learn so much we've been developing the material it's just such an inspiring and meaningful uh, project to be part of we run it mostly with volunteers who feel massively committed and passionate about the work that we do um And we've actually just published what we've been doing over the last few years is is just improving the material that we have developed, kind of putting in some of the latest neuroscience, kind of psychology theory, all kinds of things that we know young people find helpful because they tell us, oh, this is so, this is so helpful for me right now. Um, And we've put that together in a booklet because we want to make it accessible to more people. You know, we get contacted by a lot of parents and teachers and Support workers, social workers saying, is there anything you can give me to help me work with a young person, either one to one or in a group? So we have just relaunched, just published our all new workbook, which puts, I guess, all our best ideas and our best material in one place and means a young person can buy it for themselves if they want ideally we think it works best when they can work through it with an adult to kind of bounce some ideas off and and talk about it but they can have it on their own a parent can buy it for their kid a youth worker could sit and work through it also like a counselor a teacher you know you don't need any specific expertise to do it but we really hope that's going to just equip way more people to have a bit more confidence to have those conversations with young people
0: you are regularly in these online conversations mm. with young people about about self-harm what, yeah. what, before we sort of dig into a bit more sort of more broadly mental well-being and um lumina is amazing it is amazing <laughs> go go quickly even if you're listening to this guys, go gone to the use store and get your copies now but what does it mean for you to be constantly in these conversations with young people
2: I mean, I've learned a lot through doing this over the last three years. And initially, I was running the project on my own, which was really difficult. And then we went into the pandemic, of course. And you know, it, it it affects you to be in these conversations. Some of the young people are incredibly vulnerable. Who contact us? They have very little support, and they've you know experiences of historic trauma, which are just devastating and heartbreaking. Um, so it it feels like a privilege to be in that space to think there's no one else that they're talking to right now this really matters but at the same time of course it has an effect on on me and I've learned over the last few years what support I have to have in place so we've brought in someone another person also called Jenny who co-manages the project with me which has made a massive difference but I have supervision you know I think about how many hours in in a week I work because it's just really yeah intense and demanding work and and it feels like I need to be in a kind of good healthy place to be able to relationally, like, continue to give out in that context.
1: I'm going to slightly embarrass you now as mm. I lean across Rachel Gardner in a slightly awkward way, <laughs> uh, and uh, because because I think this this aspect of you is 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 something that could be applicable to anybody who's got to work with difficult management. Um, so that will be a lot of youth leaders listening. And so what you are brilliant at, and I am the difficult management in this story, (laughs) but what you're brilliant at is advocating for your work. So one of the things I've noticed about you managing a project Mm. is that you quite regularly will, will tell stories of transformation and what's Mm. going on and, and send to the leadership team of the organization. Can I just tell you about this? Can I ask you to pray for this particular situation? Um, and I think that's a brilliant discipline, actually, for anybody listening, because it does completely get us as a management team to understand what's really going on in the project. But you you do then get an insight into what really happened. So can you just kind of, I know you can't reveal details or use names or anything like that, but sort of what sorts of things have you seen happen through Illumina? Because they are amazing stories.
2: Yeah, I mean, and, and there's been some really big stories in the last few years we've, we've actually had to uh go through as a community loss because you know you would think that working with young people who self-harm there's maybe in a heightened risk of suicide and that's obviously something that we talk about but we've lost young people to covid in the last year or two um and also to other things like cancer and and we um we have we know we've had a really important relationship with those young people who who have felt very alone um and really seen you know a part of what's so what's so heartbreaking in those circumstances that is that i think of a couple of people in particular who had histories that were incredibly traumatic and painful and um and yet were really fighting to survive really really reaching for the help that was being offered and doing everything that they could to move towards a better life um and better choices and really were progressing they were reducing their harming they were finding other ways they were starting to build other relationships and um and that feels so meaningful and important and you know even over the course of seven weeks we get young people who come and say this is so helpful gosh this is the first thing that's helped this has been really useful I've I haven't harmed for like a couple of months now or I've got much better coping skills but then there are other people who've much more ingrained behaviours who and maybe much more difficult histories where it's it's been part of their life for a good few years it's a really ingrained behaviour but they kind of stick around in our dropping community and we actually hear then um, much more about their life and about the steps they're taking forward, and we get to know like a year on, they've massively reduced their harming, and maybe they hadn't after seven weeks, and that didn't look good on our like statistics. <laughs> but the fact is, we've walked with them for like another year or two, and actually, we know they're in a much better place, and they've accessed better help, and they've they're actually you know in our drop in, they're the ones up passing on advice to some of the newer newer young people. So. I know that's quite generalised yes. in terms of the kinds of things yes. that are going on. I want to be really respectful of people's stories, but um, yeah, it's, it's a really moving project to be a part of.
0: That's, I, whenever I hear you talking, you both bring the stories of real suffering, and as you say, you've really protected the anonymity of the young people, but there's such hope, isn't there? Mm, yeah. I, I feel that I don't want to break the um, atmosphere, but Martin, you don't need okay. to actually lean across me, the microphone moves. <laughs> 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 I just want, I just wanna put it out there. <laughs> so you just stay there. And when you need it, that's it. There you I, go. I don't like
1: moving the microphone away from you feels problematic. Do you know what I mean? Like literally taking your voice away. You know,
0: that's, that's deep. that just feels that's wrong. Yeah. There we go. I've taken the voice away from you. Stay on your side, Saunders. So this theme of hope, then, because we're we're having a, we're thinking about conversations with young people around mental well-being and mental health, and we know so much more. I, mean, I think, as an average youth worker myself, I, I know more now about mental health, and I don't have any psychology training or background. But at the same time, I still find these conversations really tough, yeah, really difficult. And often it's against the backdrop of I'm running a drop-in project, and there's 25 young people running around, and I'm just I'm really conscious of that young person there on the edge that's having a difficult time. But maybe it's more than just today, and there's something else happening. And I'm just very aware of my peripheral vision of young people that are really struggling with mm-hmm. mental well-being. Um, and I hear you talking, and there's such stories of of hope in the midst of deep distress. is I a weird question, Jenny, I want to ask you. I'd like to ask some practical things in a minute, but what gives you hope when you think about the church's engagement with young people, particularly in the area of mental well-being? when you're thinking of volunteers and leaders like yeah. me that don't have the training you have? Yeah,
2: well, I do have an amazing amount of hope for what happens in, in Christian youth work. And it's partly from my own experience that of knowing how transformative it was for me when I was a teenager but you know my training as a counsellor and psychotherapist has not been in any Christian context just been you know secular mainstream training but it's been you know driven home to us again and again that when working with teenagers like one emotionally available adult in in a young person's life who you know is available to them and will build that relationship is a total game changer in terms of their mental health outcomes you know there's been research that has been done that has shown that all it takes (laughs) is not one mental health professional but one emotionally available adult and that is absolutely what we can do and i think what we can be brilliant at in the church is you know because I think and I hope we have this uh, belief in the p- importance of intergenerational relationships because we have um, in many parts of church this culture of youth work and, and volunteers and, and people who don't particularly have any expertise getting involved with the teenagers and helping out. I know and the evidence like supports that that can, can make the biggest difference in the life of a young person. And I just don't think we, I think it's really important that we're not intimidated by the language, the kind of medicalization and professionalization of mental health, which maybe has kind of massively changed and increased since maybe we were teenagers, um, it can feel intimidating and like therefore we are ill-equipped. And and it's not; it's still the same teenagers. It's still them dealing with their distress in all kinds of um, not ideal ways. And now they have labels and explanations and diagnoses, and um, which are maybe really important to the young people as well. That you know, I'm not saying we invalidate them. But I, I think it I, I just think we need to know that they're still just young people They're still in distress and that just being emotionally available adult can be a total game changer for them.
1: So, I mean, the church has got a lot better at this mm. and to caricature the conversation around mental health, um, I'd say that for the first few years of getting our heads around this. Um, we were really in quite a responsive, reactive place. It was all about responding to um, trauma or self-harm or depression or cases of mental health problems that have flared up. It feels like now there's slightly more of a move towards more proactive, more positive um, uh, mental health support in the sense that everybody has mental health. Yeah and yeah. and actually there's investment that we can do before anything becomes problematic yeah that just so so that's where a word like well-being comes in and becomes yeah. quite important so um so what what do you think i mean is is that something every church youth group should be should be taking seriously or or are we still at a point where really we just need to respond to the crises as they flare up
2: <laughs> well you know i've made it my life's work as you know so that's what I'm trained in. That's that's gonna be my bias. I think that there are fantastically useful and meaningful and crucial things that we can do. And even, you know, when I'm when I'm delivering Illumina, um, it's designed sure for young people who are self-harming for one particular niche group. But I genuinely think 90% of the material would be useful for any young person because we're not just looking at this one symptom. So self-harm is a symptom. Of pain and distress it's a it's a kind of not great way that some young people are dealing with their their distress and their pain but you know the kind of underlying story and the questions that we're asking are things that I think are important for all of us to be able to face like how do we make sense of emotions how do we learn to recognize them how do we learn to talk about them and find the right words for them you know none of us are born knowing how to do that it's not an innate uh, skill that anyone has we all have to learn it and some of us have a lot more help with it than others you know if you're in it the kind of dream family scenario where everyone talks about their feelings and their issues and we all process it together then wonderful and you're going to get a lot of help and you're going to be super skillful at doing that but let's be honest a lot of us don't I certainly didn't grow up in that kind of family and so I think the the more that we can do to normalize difficult and uncomfortable feelings and pain and distress and talk about what it takes to cope and manage with those things and to make those things that that aren't just the things that those special people over there who are really struggling need to deal with but things that humans need to be able to do for ourselves and for each other and also i think you know the other crucial thing that we're also massively emphasizing in illumina all the time is how there are so many stories about how we feel we should be able to cope on our own we should be able to manage other people can manage on their own you know if we were a more functional human we would and i think that that goes right at the you know hits right against things that um well what the science is telling us now which is that our brains light up and become much more able to change and develop and heal when we are connected meaningfully to others But I think also what is right there in the core of our faith, which is that we're not supposed to be able to do it all on our own. We're not supposed to be able to cope with and manage and, you know, get through everything on our own. We're supposed to need God. We're also supposed to need each other and community. And I think those are things which, you know, aren't just specialist mental health skills or areas of expertise. They're things about what it means to be a good and a healthy human and a person
0: of faith. Chances are that um, people are listening to this and absolutely resonating with you and maybe you're also feeling, I need this too, Mm. I need to be in community where I can connect with my emotions and have meaningful relationships with others and feel safe and be able to put boundaries around. So Jenny, there might be a youth leader listening to this thinking, you know, I've got a young person in my youth group or I mentor and I'm just really concerned about their mental well-being. Like what are some of the steps, what are some of the things that maybe we could be aware of, be thinking about? I guess that there's a permission thing that I want to say to people. You don't have
2: to be able to make sense of someone's mental health diagnosis. You don't have to be able to make sense of their medication or tell them whether they should or shouldn't have any. You don't have to be able to, um, you know, if there's, if there's if there's serious things that are coming up not like self-harm, like... I don't know even thinking about suicide if there's really worrying things like it's okay you don't have you're, you're not the one who has to fix that and solve that there are there are systems and you know we haven't even had the safeguarding conversation I'm sure that's happening in other places you probably know what your systems are and who you can go to and where you can talk to but um so so don't feel that that's on you as the youth worker but what is on you I think is the relational part and that that is just the thing i think which has the most power and is so crucial and you know and and every young person needs the one who looks like they're struggling with their mental health and the one who looks like they're fine you know that i guess the things that young people tell us that they find the most hurtful i think really come down to a sense of feeling invalidated like someone not taking their mental health diagnosis seriously. I have all kinds of ex- opinions about mental mm-hmm. health diagnosis. But when I'm with a young person, what matters is that they know I take them seriously. They know that if if the, if their mental health diagnosis is a really important part of how they feel and think about themselves, then I recognise that and I accept that. And I'm not kind of pushing and prodding and trying to, to change that or undermine that. Um, but I validate their feelings that of course there are things that we know about teenage brains like the hormones are going crazy these bits are developing and we will always talk about that but it's important we don't do that in a way that feels like it it kind of writes off what they're going through like oh gosh your brain is just changing in really really crazy ways at the moment so that's just what's going on we'll just ride it out together you know people have said that how invalidating how and 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 really, we can't work through our big and our difficult feelings and our struggles if they're not even validated. So that feels to me like one of the most fundamental things that we can all do um, is just to make space, is to be someone who can listen and can listen without needing to fix, um, who is able to kind of stay with the things that are hard without needing to kind of push them into oh but it's all going to be all right oh but we're all going to be fine it's okay um yeah being that person who can who can sit with and stay with and be in relationship with without knowing that this is going to be fixed next week or that that um you know i'm not saying that there aren't practical things as well that we can offer of course there are in terms of practical ways that we cope with emotions sharing our own experience of how we've got through difficult things um you know illumina is full of, of practical ideas for people who self harm to do instead but um alongside that i think it's more important that we are those people who uh, who make space and and i guess that someone knows that young person knows you can talk to me i really want to be a safe person for you to talk to um, it's probably helpful that they know what you will and won't pass on. That's probably a helpful thing for everyone to understand before they disclose something and then feel betrayed because that's often a huge fear that they have. But for them to know that you really want to listen and make sense of and support them, um, and that that's a real priority for you. like that, It's just there's really nothing else I think that is as powerful.
1: If somebody's listening to this and thinking this is brilliant, but I'm actually struggling with my mental health yeah. as a leader. What would your first bit of advice be to them? Because obviously you can only help people when you yourself are in a good place or is that, I mean, I presume is that's that true. Yeah, That's true.
2: I, I'd, I'd say it's really important to recognize that and to, to stop and go, let me be honest with myself right here. I'm struggling and to not feel like I'm going to manage. I'm going to do this. I should be able to manage on my own. I, I can't tell you who you should talk to. Um, I would always start with someone who feels like a safe person in terms of a friend or a family member or a spouse or something Um, because I think we all need that informal support and to be really known. I'm not saying everyone needs to know everything, but at least have someone who really deeply knows what's going on. And that can feel difficult if that's not been a habit in a regular pattern. It can feel like it needs to happen slowly, but it does involve risk we say this to young people there's no way that we build these relationships where we can get support without having to take some risks along the way Um, but yeah then there might be a question about is there another kind of support that I need obviously my trade is uh, as a therapist and counsellor I think that's an incredibly helpful way to go Um, even just for a little while to give yourself the space where there's someone who is there to support you and to help you make sense of and, and work out you know, even from there, what else might I need to do, or is this is this going to be resolved here? Um, I I don't think it's true that we can't be of any use unless our mental health is in a perfect place, but I do think that it's really important we're not in denial about that, and we're not. You know, how can we say to young people? Look after yourselves, make positive choices, find people to talk to if we're not willing to do those things ourselves. It's it's so crucial. And, and for me, certainly with my work, I am so aware that if I am not nurturing and making space for joy and pleasure in my life, if I do not have margin and time to rest, then when I sit in a room with someone as their therapist, you know there's 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 very little to give and and my work really is just sitting in a room with people (laughs) and asking do I have something to give do I can am I able to be with that do I have enough in myself and you know and you know I think it's crucial as, as well for us as Christians I'm very prayerful in my practice about the Holy Spirit also being in those spaces because you know there's limits of what i can do even on my best day and i feel completely reliant on the spirit doing much more than i'm kind of consciously aware of but um yeah so it's not a kind of black and white thing but i think it's really important that we do attend to attend to our own needs
1: so uh I had a thing happen to me the other day, which I thought at the time, not at the time, but straight afterwards, I thought, I'm going to talk about this on the podcast because I think other people will appreciate airing this and talking about this. So weird thing happened to me um, about a month ago. Um, I went to see the world's greatest uh, Claret and Blue football team, West Ham United, at their home in, uh, in London, the London Stadium, which if you've been there, you may have been there because it was the Olympic Stadium. So you might have been inside for... The Olympics or the Paralympics in 2012, and uh, it's a huge, great stadium. It's very high up, and so there's a lot of sort of fun made of the fact that the, pit, the pitch is a long way away and all that sort of thing. But so, so you can kind of picture the fact that obviously I, I had terrible tickets because I don't have lots of money. So we were right at the back, and um, and we were um, the game was about to start, and I experienced completely out of nowhere, completely did did not see this coming at all, a panic attack. Now, I've never had a panic attack. And so I had no idea really what was happening to me. I just was like, I feel really ill suddenly mm-hmm. and I'm desperate to get out of here. Um, and I feel like the walls are closing in, which, uh, you know, at quite high up was quite terrifying. And I also had my, I only had one kind of child or my family member with me. I had my eight-year-old son, Zachary, with me, who was just getting excited about the game. So he was, he was very excited. And I suddenly was filled with terror that I was like, oh my goodness, you know, I am I feel like I'm going to faint or you know, whatever's going to happen to me. Um, and I'm going to leave this eight-year-old completely unattended in the, in Stratford um, in the middle of a football stadium. So that kind of compounded it. So that became even more terrifying. And I also had this sort of de- desperate... I don't, if anyone's ever had a panic attack, I'm sure they will report similar things. But I just needed to get out of there. The thing I absolutely needed was to not stay in a place. I don't know why it happened. I think, I think th- there'll be a... Um, something to do with being in a big crowd for the first time in, uh, uh, you know, two years. Um, and, you know, world events have been getting on top of all of us. So, you know, that might have been part of it. Um, but anyway, I couldn't, um, I was finding it really difficult to breathe. and uh, And I also thought, I can't leave because I can't give this eight-year-old... Like an awful experience where he went to get the football with his daddy, and he then the experience he had was just before kickoff. <laughs> they sang the bubble song and then they left. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that would have been very disappointing. Now, often, actually, it's preferable to leave before you watch West Ham United play, but on this occasion, they actually won, so it was okay. Mm-hmm. But I managed to sort of, um, co- and I basically had to spend the forty-five minute the first forty-five minutes, just pretending to be okay. And he noticed something was a bit up, and I said oh, I'm a bit nervous about the game, um, and we we got on with it. So now he probably has a big complex about how 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 worked up you should get about football matches. But anyway, um, I, it kind of went, and by the time we by the time the game was over, I was able to leave um, the stadium. But what was interesting to me was, um, I have no kind of history of mm. poor mental health. There was no real explanation for it that, that beyond the fact that, oh gosh, I haven't been in an open space like this with lots of people. But but I didn't know that my brain was going to do that. And mm. I didn't know that, that it would feel that bad. It was my first experience of the things that lots of other people have talked about lots of times. And suddenly, you expe- because you experience it, you feel about it in a completely different way. And you realise that actually you you sometimes have... Un- un- intentionally brushed this kind of stuff off you've thought this doesn't happen to me you've said things in your head like i'm stronger than that i don't these sorts of things don't happen to me and of course i felt utterly powerless and yes, a bit terrified yes. at the moment so i've reflected on it a lot recently and i actually went to another game about three weeks later and was pretty worried that the th- the same thing was going to happen yes, again and it didn't it, no. didn't happen at we all and it was patterns, and it was fine yeah. so it makes even less sense to me um, but um, you know what? Um, I really love what Jenny said about you know these things don't disqualify you from um, f- from uh, leading others, but you definitely need to pay attention to them and talk to others and and take some action in response. Absolutely. So, um, so yeah, I, I so my response is is t- telling you all about it. This is yes. <laughs> my, you are my psychiatrists. I'm telling you about it right now. I know I've 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 had some help for it, but um, but yeah, I just think it's yes. it's just worth airing that it just happens. It can happen to anyone. Yes. And to even to people who've never had any experience or form in that area at yes, all.
0: Yes, absolutely. I've, I've had panic attacks and have mini panic attacks even now. And, and very similar to you that, uh, no, by more reason, it is just obviously a build-up subconsciously of lots of stuff and then it, it sort of presents somewhere. I'm inter- Can I ask you some questions about it? Does that yeah. feel okay? Okay. Yes, of course. Were you surrounded by men?
1: Yes, I was surrounded by men.
0: Did, did you feel you could have reach out to any men and said actually I've got my son with me I'm just not feeling great and I'm one of my concerns is that I won't be able to keep an eye can you just keep an eye would,
1: would that yeah, have been yeah that's a-, a really interesting question no honestly no yeah. I, I think one of the mom- one of the most isolating things about it was I knew no one there yeah. and they were all kind of they were all out they'd have a few beers yeah. they were out on a it suddenly became a the very culture. unsafe yeah. environment actually to have a child in so it was fine when I was there to look after him but suddenly you got no. a load of quite angry, loud, boozy men. So no, I, no, yeah. I didn't feel safe that's to do that at all.
0: Interesting, isn't it? I um had an experience of a, of a panic attack, and it was in the bathrooms of Ladies' Lose. I didn't know anybody, mm. but but somehow being in the Ladies' lose with women, mm. the women were amazing. Right. The moment I said, "Can someone help me?" I'm just really, these women like just jumped in, mm. and, and that mm. I don't know if that's something about being a woman and being in a woman-only space in that sense was actually, it was a great place to say, mm, mm. I'm really struggling because a sister had rallied around. But that's an interesting one, isn't it? In, in our society, are, are there spaces where it feels safer to say, I'm not strong right now? Mm, and that the, mm. the strength is saying, I need someone to, to jump in and, and who would those be? That's interesting, isn't it? To create yeah, this. And yeah. that's what Jenny is, is pulling out of this, actually. What I love so much in my talk was, because um, I, do, I do still... I don't, mean, I don't mean I fall for the myth, because it's not a myth. It's really important that we have um, mental health professionals. But the absolute reality is we haven't got enough mental health professionals to to support every young mm. person that needs it. And I love that she challenged that and said, no, what a young person needs is an emotionally available adult. Mm. And I thought, oh, I can do that. And mm. yet still, when a young person chats to be about self-harm, and, and I'm finding that young people take a very, very long time to, to talk about self-harm, but I'm sensing that's what it is before the... the that i'm already lining up like where, where do i refer them and how and that's all that's all really really important but slightly in that moment then i kind of forget that in that moment i need to be an emotionally available mm-hmm. adult not just the person that's going to process and signpost mm-hmm. um so there's, there's so much to think about i love that you shared that i think that's really important i got um angry on twitter today which to people are yeah. listening to this It won't make any sense because it's not in, in lifetime. I got very angry with a male evangelical leader in the States. I, my, One of my rules of thumb is that I don't get angry on Twitter. <laughs> but I was really angry with him. And uh, he made a comment that um, God stakes everything on strong men. Mm. And he stakes marriages on strong men. Wow! And strong men are the foundation of strong church. And strong men are the foundation of society. And I have to say, I nicked my response from some brilliant people like Sam Hales and others that had commented... But my response was, no, no, not strong men. One man,
1: Mm. the crucified
0: man, the God Mm. man. And I think what you're speaking quite powerfully about is when we misunderstand strength and we misunderstand Mm. what God puts on our shoulders and asks us to do and be, we get ourselves into, into that kind of stuck thinking that says, actually, I need to be X, Y, and Z before I can be used by God. And I think Jenny was really good at saying it's okay to be, not to be okay, but also it's okay to say, but I want to make sure I'm serving this young person from a place where I am modelling what it is I'm saying to them to do. Mm, so she wasn't mm. saying it doesn't matter. She was she was saying pay attention, mm, pay attention mm. to your mental well being, and have those that you speak to, and remember that you're not the saviour. <laughs> you're not saving this young person. It's not all on you. Yeah. But what is on you is to be honest and real. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: We love you, Martin. Thank you. I'm gonna. My hand is coming towards you. Look at that. Yeah, it's
1: all right. I'm bottling that all up again I'm now. Reaching, I'm getting back out. into. I'm going to do a plug. I'm not really bottling that up. That was a joke. I'm so, I'm so immature. <laughs> so,
0: oh, let's get back to the band time. So you don't those just much.
1: Don't worry. I'm a strong man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely fine. Yeah. You mug. Hello. So, <laughs> uh, the strong man. I did want me. to mention, uh, um, Jenny mentioned it previously, but it is absolutely a thing of wonder. So, um, they've just produced um, the, Jenny and Jenny, as oh, talked about earlier on, yes. just produced the Illumina um, workbook. So cool. And it is. Honestly, one of the best things that has yes. ever come out of Youthscape. is so good. So it's a, it's a journal that takes you through the Illumina course, but if you aren't doing the Illumina course, you can still use it as a really great kind of mental health, emotional well-being kind of course journal yes. that you work through yourself. And there's loads of – there's like six, six, seven sessions in there, um, and you work through them, and they basically work through some of the neuroscience and – um, what mental health and well-being are, and why all this stuff matters, and how it works, and you just basically fill in boxes and colour things in, and it's just it's got a it's a it's really fantastic. smart way of learning yes. for yeah. teenagers.
0: Yeah, twelve ninety nine off the uh, Youthscape store, absolutely worth it. And I think increasingly, I, I have back in my office a box of these resources, a mm. box of things, because I just want to make sure that our team have access to things as and when they need it. So I think even if you think, oh, I don't know if I've got a young person right now who, this you know, just get a hold of a copy and have it there. Have a yeah. little look through, prepare yourself, get yourself ready. Yeah. Um, and, and then when a young person does want to talk, you're not then going, oh, wait a minute, there's a resource somewhere. Mm-hmm. You're actually, oh, I've already been thinking about this and we've got some stuff lined up. Awesome! Yes, again, this season is really inspiring me and helping me in my youth ministry and volunteer hours with young people. Um, as much as it's just really fun to be hanging out with you, Martin, and yeah. and I'm not going to stop stroking you, stroking your sh- your arm. And uh, there we go. It's all lovely. It's not awkward at all. Just reach out, guys. Give You're weird. Why are you being it's, weird I'm again? Really weird. I'm being an emotional. Why support? do you have to make it weird? That was a Blanket. beautiful
1: episode. <laughs> And just make it weird at the end. I love that. Mm. that. Right, we're going. (laughs) Goodbye.